Amen. It's an awesome day, and you picked a great day to be in God's house. We're going to be continuing a message that we started four weeks ago already. We're going to be on part five of this sermon series. I told you guys it would take us all the way through summer, and it looks like that's going to be the case. One of the longest sermon series we've done in a while. But who remembers the title of that message if you've been coming? Just shout it at me. Kingdom culture. Thank you guys for paying attention. So we're going to be on part five of kingdom culture. Let's say that together. Kingdom culture. So if you've missed any, any of the past messages, or maybe this is your first time today in the sanctuary joining us online, we, we've been talking and looking at culture. Who can agree that today's culture in the United States is pretty crazy, <laughs> pretty messed up? Uh, it's a mess. Our culture is a mess because, y'all, people are a mess. Why are our people a mess? Because nobody, I don't say nobody, a majority of people, they're not doing life the way God says to do life. God declares his church and his children to establish, I said establish, the Father's culture in the earth. The thing is, when Adam and Eve sinned in, the, in Genesis, when they chose the fruit over God, sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, guess what else entered the world? Choice. And most people, if you're like Pastor Ian, I, I, I didn't come to God on a winning streak. <laughs> Anybody else? Don't lie in church. See, when you have choices, you'll choose just about everything. Come on, somebody. Other than Jesus until you finally get to the lowest of the lowest of the lowest, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to try that Jesus guy. Hey, and I'm not preaching to the choir, I'm preaching to myself. That's how Ian came to Jesus, and I'm thankful. And he accepted me. He didn't say, he didn't judge me. He said, welcome in, my faithful son. I'm glad you came home, a prodigal son. And so this is where we're at worldwide. It's, it doesn't, it's not just specific to our nation, to America. America's a mess, but there's, the world's a mess, guys. And as, as, as children and, and, and child of, children of God, we can't be surprised by the way the world is trending. If you read your Bible, you shouldn't be surprised. But guess what you can be? You can have a holy anger that burns inside that says, you know what, our culture is not reflecting my Savior. God declares the church to rise up in these last days to give Him honor and glory. And we're going to talk, talk about about, we're going to continue that, that, that trend of talking about culture and how God declares his children to establish his culture in the earth. How do we do that, guys? With our lives, with our actions, with our words, with our faith. At work, at home, at church on Sunday morning, at Walmart, at Walgreens. Being a representative of the King of Kings. And when you live your life as a representative of the King of Kings, that means you're, you're adopted into the kingdom of light. And when you are a child in the kingdom of light, guess what you do? You shine light on the kingdom of darkness. And if you do that, you'll stand out. You'll sound different. You'll be blessed. And people might even come and ask you, hey, what is different about, something's different about you. And you can say, yeah, I'm no longer my own. Jesus picked me up, dusted me off, cleaned me out from the inside out. Praise God. And so culture is a, is a trendy word. It means so much. Culture defines a people. Did you know that? Uh, people who live in the same culture, they generally talk the same, they, they walk the same, they generally wear the same types of things, they generally believe in the same types of things. 
And so a kingdom culture means we have to look and sound and, and be uh, prophetically declaring the same message of the same God. I'm not, I'm not speaking against individuality. God wants every person to be who he's uniquely created you to be. But there has to be a uniformity, come on, somebody, within the church that we look the same, we talk the same, we don't compromise. We're standing on the same truth, right? A culture defines a people. Kingdom culture, it's an attitude and an expectation. Anybody have some expectations that you place on your good, good father? I hope you have some. I believe your expectations excite him. Excite him as he says, oh my gosh, I got a child, and they're actually believing in me for something. It's not a, it's not a prideful, arrogant attitude. It's a confident, thankful, believer's attitude and expectation of thankfulness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Some of y'all read your Bible and trying to get gentle and some self-control. Who needs some self-control today? Yeah, Lord, get a double portion of some self-control over your church today in Jesus' name. Let's open up the Bible and look at our foundational scripture as we've been studying this out for the last four weeks. So this is really the, the, the scripture we've been using every single week as we started and kicked this off. Look what it says here in Mark. We're going to be in chapter 1, verse 14 through 15, if you want to open your Bibles. It says, Now after John was put in prison, this is John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. We're talking about kingdom culture, right? This is what he says and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Our other translations say the kingdom of God has come now. Y'all say that word with me? Now, right? Repent and believe in the gospel. Nothing has changed since Jesus uttered those words, since Jesus was, was born in the earth. The kingdom, when, when Jesus came, the kingdom of God, it has started in the garden, but Jesus came to fulfill that completion of God's mission and plan for creation. The kingdom of God is still at hand, is now. And so if the kingdom of God is, is now, who knows Jesus is coming back? And so if Jesus is coming back, guess what? That means that could be today. That could be tomorrow. It obviously wasn't yesterday. But if you believe in Jesus or you believe there's a heaven or you believe in God and the kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus said, is now, I hope and pray you're living your life with some urgency. Because if the kingdom of God is now, that means time is running out. We're all going to die one day. The days and dates are all different. But we're all going to stand before a same just God, a righteous God, and give an account to that same God, not based on if I'm a good person, according to the world, but based on did, was Jesus Christ my personal Lord and Savior? Did he have a say in what I say? Did he have a say in how I live my life? Did he have a say in the decisions that I made? Because in that moment, when you give an account, God the Father will ask you, and his words to you will be, enter in, my good and faithful child, my good and faithful servant. Or he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Because if you believe in heaven, guess what? That, that means there is a hell. So are you living your life with some urgency? Or are you just, just mundane, going through the motions every single day, scrolling Facebook, watching the next thing on Netflix, wondering about the next, next popular cool trend, the next popular cool thing? And if you just do life like 
God calls his, his, his children sheep, but there's a sheep of the world also. Do you know that? We're on autopilot. Are you a sheep of the world or are you sheep of the shepherd? I want to be a sheep of the shepherd. I, I want to be involved in his business. I want to be involved with who he is and what he says, what he says and who he says about me and who, who I am in Christ and what he says about my family, about my vocation, about my church. I don't want to just blindlessly blind, aimlessly be, be, be going through life, blowing, blowing in the breeze like so many lost souls. And it breaks my heart. It breaks God's heart. And so kingdom culture, we have to be, we have to be rooted in his truth and, and begin to establish his ways, his love in the earth to help those that are lost, bring them into truth, right? Bring them into truth. So look at that first point today. We're on part five today, and so let me say this. I will say one little recap point. <clears throat> Each week we've been, we've been talking about kingdom culture, obviously, but we said that there are four manifestations of the kingdom of God. How can we establish God's culture in the earth, and what does God's kingdom look like? And it really helps us to be united in our cause, God's causes. But we said this of God's kingdom, that it's internal. That was one. We spent a week on the, the internal part of the kingdom of God. Everything God does starts internally in our lives. It's spiritual. Obviously, everything that we do by faith is spiritual. We said last week, two weeks ago, excuse me, that it's physical. There's a physical component to the kingdom of God. And today we're going to talk about the kingdom of God being eternal. Y'all say that word with me? Eternal. God's kingdom is forever. Did you know that? But look at this first point. That's, that's unpackaged this thought together today. It says, the kingdom of God is eternal. Jesus reestablishes the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. He is King Jesus. Let's say that together. King Jesus. And all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. I looked up the word eternal this week as I was studying. I love the dictionary. It, we think we know a word, but oftentimes we look it up and God never fails. The Holy Spirit always shows me something different when I, when I do do that. And studying words as part of being a pastor and a student of the word. And eternal obviously means forever. It means on and on. It's perpetual. But what stood out to me is one definition said that there's no beginning and no end. We serve a God that is, is, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He holds our present, our past, and our future all in a stroke. And not just mine and my life and my problems and, and my sin and the things that I've done or didn't do, but yours. And your neighbors, give them a little elbow, say, and yours too. If you got two neighbors, no, the other one, make sure they're awake. And yours too. How awesome. How awesome. And so the kingdom of God is eternal. And this is what you got to remember. Because I feel like when you start talking about culture, and as I've started today, we can have a tendency to just feel this, this draining thing on my spirit, right? Because it is so dark sometimes and so depressing the things that we're going through and the, the types of arguments and things that we're having to have in a, a society, of, a circle of society, what's right and what's wrong and how crazy it has gotten. But I want you to know, King Jesus is on it. The president is Joe Biden, but he's still going to answer to King Jesus, right? The prime minister of England, I don't know who it is. Praise God for him, but 
they'll still have to answer to King Jesus, right? And I feel like sometimes as we, as we, we begin to look at the world and it can almost be depressing and it's, like it's so sick and it's so bad. And the enemy will use that to keep you in the background, right? In a comfortable place. Guys, and if I said that the kingdom of God is now, well, I didn't say it, Jesus said it, there has to be an urgency. We have to be engaged. We have to be a church that's on the move, that's engaged. That's not going to shy away from, from we, don't have to, we don't have to fuss and argue and fight with people, but we need to stand up for him and for his word and for truth and for his standards. I oftentimes think as a pastor, maybe we stand back, maybe some of us, we have the faith, but the enemy will use, well, you don't know all the answers. You don't, you don't know the Bible enough. Guys, I'm a pastor and I don't know all the answers, but I know the Holy Spirit can use me to speak truth, right? He will always show up. If, if you're relying on him and him alone, he'll show up, right? And so we have to be a people of faith that has a fervency and remembering the fact that no matter who's what, even if you got a, and we all have a job. If you don't have a job, I hope and pray that you have one. But if you have a job, maybe he's an ungodly boss. Your ungodly boss still has to answer the king, Jesus. The father gave him all authority. Somebody say all. All authority. So whatever you need, he has it. And then when he left after he was crucified and reappeared to the disciples, he said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. We're talking about kingdom culture. The keys to the kingdom for you to bind and to loose, to make what is in heaven on earth. The authority that King Jesus has, he has not relinquished, but he has shared. That's good news with believers. If you're a believer today, you have the keys to the kingdom of God by faith. If you need it by faith, you can have it. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 26. Look what Paul says here. He's laying out some, some, some groundwork on, on what Jesus has accomplished, really affirming this idea that Jesus is, is King Jesus no matter what, right? Look what it says, verse 21. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, through the choice of Adam, now the resurrection from the dead must begin through another man, which is Jesus. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, we all are in the lineage of Adam and Eve. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. I want to stop for a second and ask you a question. Do you belong to Jesus Christ. If you do, that's good news. You have the reality of the eternal kingdom living in your heart, and one day when you die, you will inherit eternal life. We all have to die because Adam sinned. When he sinned, we're born into sin. The only remedy for that sin is Jesus Christ. There's a remedy. If you belong to him, what he has is yours. Look at verse 23. But there's an order to this resurrection. Christ was the first because he's the son of God. He should have the authority of the first fruit, right? Of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After the end will come, then he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every what? But what is it? Every ruler and... 
authority and power. He's king Jesus no matter what. All governments will bow. All businesses will bow. All people will bow at the authority of God through Jesus Christ. Verse 25, for Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy will be destroyed is death. Come on, somebody. We're all going to die one day. You can ignore it. You can keep putting it off. I'll get right with God tomorrow. I'll get right with God next week, next month. But death will come, and the only way to defeat death is by the power, authority, and reigning rule of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of darkness, I said, will be destroyed, and only God's kingdom will remain because his kingdom is eternal. It's forever. It's perpetual. There's no beginning and there's no end. It's on and on and on. And let's say you have 50 years. Let's say you have 60 years. Let's say you have 70 or 80 years. Maybe you're at 80 years when you die one day. This is a blimp, guys. Your dash on your tombstone is a blimp on eternity. There's no beginning, there's no end. If we could diagram it all the way across the stage, eternity to this. If there's something in your life that you feel is disappointing to God by the way you've been living, maybe it's addiction, maybe it's, it's hurt, maybe it's doubt, maybe it's a trauma, an event, hear me, give it to Him. It's not worth it. The devil will tell you all day long, oh, but if you, if you surrender your life to Jesus, you can't do this, and you can't do that, and your life won't be no fun. Guys, I come from addiction. I, I went through that, battled through those thoughts. There's nothing better in my life than the choice that I made to follow him. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I miss it. I'm not saying that I'm some. The, the only thing that, that I've done well is to continually being armed with a yes, God. That's it. If you wake up every morning and your, your answer is, yes, God. When it's hard, you're, you have to be armed with a yes, God. When it's going good, you have to continue to be armed with a yes, God. If it's, if it's just kind of the middle of the road, right, it just be continued with be armed with the yes, God. Because the kingdom of darkness will be defeated. And the kingdom of God will be the only thing that remains. So you dwell with him in the house of the Lord forever. Or will you dwell in a place called the lake of fire forever? Who's ever burned yourself? Maybe it was for two seconds on the stove eye or with a lighter. Did that feel good? That was for like a second. Imagine an eternal fire that is never consumed with your soul in the middle of it. And every other soul that denied Christ. The gnashing and wailing of teeth. Per perpetual cycle of never-ending death and doom. Let me say this. A good God does not send a soul to hell. We send ourselves over the habitual denial of truth. The day-to-day -day denial of Jesus. The day-to-day -day denial of of the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And so if you want to continually live your life in that perpetual denial that Jesus is king, 
there will be an answer to that answer. Amen? Look at Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. This is a scripture we oftentimes hear in and around Christmas. But I want to use it today just to reaffirm that Jesus is king, right? Look at verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Just gave you a bunch of names for God there today for free. Verse 7, and the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The kingdom of God is eternal. It may feel or look like, let me stop and preach for a second, that maybe the kingdom of God is is retreating at the current moment or the kingdom of God is being defeated in the current moment. Our government is not reflecting the, the laws in our nation are not reflecting God and his word and his truth. But it doesn't mean that we lose or that we're even losing. It just means that we're in a spiritual battle. Because as we just read, there will be no end to his authority, reign, and rule. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order establish with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. A good and just God, a good and just God will rule forever. Isn't that how it should be? Right? We have all sorts of judges in the world. There's, there's good ones. There's bad ones. We have good elected officials in the world. We have bad ones. We have good pre- we've had good presidents. We've had bad ones. I'm thankful that in the end, it'll just be the beginning, but one day, Jesus will take up his rightful place, and it'll be the forever good judge, the forever God of justice, everything that is good, the standard of who he is will rule and reign forever. Look at that next point. It's reestablishing that thought. So the kingdom of God is eternal. It has no end. What is established through Jesus is increasing through us. Think of that. Is the kingdom of God, his culture, his ways, his words, his goodness, is it increasing through your life? I hope personally and individually his goodness increases in your life every day. And if that's true, it will organically flow from you. Affecting what? The world around us. Our relationships. Your bubble of life. Your world. What was established through Jesus is increasing through us. And this is what I really want to hit on. The church is not. Somebody say not. not. Put that in the cap or in the, the chat today, all caps, not. Holding on until Jesus comes back. We are taking back what the enemy has stolen until he returns. As we've established, he's coming back. And I feel like this is where so many believers, so many churches, I'm not trying to be divisive, just as there's good presidents and bad presidents, there's good churches and bad churches. I hope and pray we're a good one. But I feel like so many believers, they got their fire insurance, right? They understand they don't want to go to the lake of, of fire, and they're going to heaven. But, and, and, and so they're like, thank you, Jesus, you sealed and saved my soul. Now I'm just going to sit and wait till you come back. When God saves you, that's not the end of the story. 
That's the beginning of a place that he wants to begin to use you. Come on, somebody as an instrument of righteousness, as a mirror of the heavenly places into earth. Jesus said, you shall pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on as it is in Don't just pray that. Be that. Be that. So if you're just standing by, just waiting for Jesus to come out. You believe in Jesus and you're saying the world's so bad and so disgusting. I know I get it, but don't let that keep you stuck because if you just stand by and wait, the enemy, he's, he's won that battle in your life. You've surrendered the authority that Christ has given you to make an impact and a difference. Maybe your soul's, maybe, maybe your soul's good, but what about your kids? Or your grandkids, or your cousins, or your aunts. You say, my, my, my family's good. Praise God. You probably have some friends. If you don't have any friends, that's not biblical either. God, God wants you to have some friends. Jesus Christ was pretty friendly. Now, he, he was pretty, pretty rough around the edges at times to religious folk. We don't adopt the thought of religion. We adopt the principles of relationship. And if I'm in a relation, relational relationship with my heavenly father, God wants you to be in healthy relationship with others in the world. Bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, establishing his kingdom. God's children are not waiting. We're moving. Who's on the move? Give me one hand, a couple hands, man. I hope and pray you're on the move wherever it is God has Planted you, placed you, be in faith, be on the moon. Because we're taking back what the enemy has stolen. There was an old uh, Baptist song, I went to the enemy's camp. Yeah, I know I'm not a good singer, but if you know, help me out a little bit. What does it say? Back what he stole from me, I know. Took back what he stole. Man, I'm taking back what the enemy stole from Ian. Guys, and he took everything. When I joined this church, when I went into the men's home, the Sunshine House, when we had it, I didn't have a dollar in my bank account. I probably had negative dollars in my bank account. I didn't have a driver's license. I didn't have any friends. My family was about to totally shun me. I'd burn all my bridges. I didn't have but maybe one bag with like two pairs of change of clothes. Over 10 years later, I have an amazing wife. Two and a half kids, a mortgage, car payments, responsibilities, a church. And I just share that because when I was about dead, had the thoughts of suicide, all I wanted was to have a, 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 a great life. I looked at all my friends and they had everything it seemed like. Don't judge your life to other people's lives. But I say that because I literally had nothing. And all it took was my faith in Jesus. And you better believe he stole back what the enemy stole from me. Now, I was accountable to my choices, my bad decisions. But you better believe the enemy was working. And so for me to stand up here and say that I'm a somewhat of an assemblance of a responsible community member, I pay my taxes, I pay my bills, is <laughs> a testament to Jesus Christ. Right? It doesn't just end with me. It goes generational. I have, 
I have two boys and a baby girl on the way that I get to download all the things that I've learned in my life to set them up a step ahead of where I started. Right? Kingdom of God is never ending. It's eternal. It goes beyond us. Look at Matthew eleven twelve. 12. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and the violent people are attacking it. Spiritual force, spiritual children, spiritual bodies of believers should be forcefully advancing the kingdom of God. Those people that are living in sin, the evil wickedness of the sin of their lives and of their actions. Isn't it crazy how those that are, I don't want to just beat up on, on the political left or liberals. There are people that are wrong on the far right, okay? But does it just mean it seem that they continually move the goalposts of their standards and of their truths? They do that because they're forcefully advancing their agenda, Now, we can't promote violence. Jesus was not violent. This is a spiritual attack, and God is calling us into spiritual avenues to be forcefully advancing God's agenda through prayer, through your life, prophetically speaking over you and your family. We have to be forcefully advancing, and if you are doing that, you better watch out because what does it say? And the violent will take it by force. If you're doing something for God, they will attack you. And don't let that stop you either. Don't say, I just don't want to cause any waves at work. If I tell them at work that I'm a Christian, then I, then I have to start. Yeah, you better stop cussing. Do you want to just continually cuss because you like cussing? And if Jesus, if, if you tell people at work that, that you believe in Jesus, they're probably going to expect you not to cuss. That's just, that's not even really forcefully advancing the kingdom. That's a start. And as you conquer these little areas and these little things in your life, we can, we can collectively, as a body of believers, be advancing God's kingdom. Because if we just stand by and wait, Nothing advances. What happens? If there's a good God, there's an evil devil, and there's a spiritual war going on, if we just all stand by and wait for Jesus to come back, are they going to stop? They're going to continue to press forward. Backs will be against the wall. The Bible does say it's going to get harder to live for Jesus as the end of the days come. But if we're collectively forcing the attack on them, it can get a whole lot better before it gets a whole lot worse. Right? And don't, I, I, I said this a couple weeks ago, I don't think being tired is going to stop them. If your excuse to God is, I'm tired. Guys, I get it. I got a one-year-old and a three-year-old and a job, and I try to run a church. I know what it means to be tired. But those that are living in evil and in sin, being tired is not going to stop them from forcefully advancing. So ask him for supernatural strength and energy, and he can give it to you to keep running and keep doing and keep speaking for him. Look at that next point. The kingdom has come, it says, and the kingdom of God will overcome 
But, somebody say but. Souls must be saved and the lives must be redeemed from the kingdom of darkness. After you, be, after you become born again, you enter into this relationship with God, your story really begins. When God infiltrates your heart and he begins to transform your life and transform your mind, he begins to transform your entire life, you'll begin to see and your heart will begin to grieve for those that are lost. It's a natural progression of your relationship with God because his heart grieves for those that are lost just as agreed for you when you were lost. And so many people, they're, they're almost waiting. Maybe they're on, on, on death's door. They're, 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 they're steeped in sin. They're making bad decisions. But just maybe there's somebody God wants to use to help comfort them out of that place of darkness. To use you and to use your life and your words and your testimony and what God has done in you to help bring them to a place of not just truth and revelation, but a place of, I was lost, but praise God, now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Because we have to see that souls matter, and because the kingdom of God is forever, it matters, and there are those living in darkness that need to be redeemed. The Lord was showing me we need to, guys, hear this. We need to simultaneously be resting in the finished work of Christ. You have to know how to simultaneously rest in the finished work of Christ while at the same time going to work, spiritually going to work, forcefully advancing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Here's the thing. If you're not simultaneously resting in his finished work, you will be too tired. If you're not finding that rest on a daily basis, you won't have any energy to do anything for the kingdom of God because you'll be so focused on your kingdom, your bills, your kids, your grandkids, your schedule. You need to find rest in him so that you can, in his finished work, rest in his finished work so that you can, for him, go to work. And don't just depend on your pastors to do that for you, on children's ministry to do that for you, on youth ministry to do the work that God has called you to do. We are here to do the work of God, but we want to come alongside you, help you see your authority and, and your anointing for your family, and to help keep your ship within the guardrails of God's truth, right? We must simultaneously rest in Christ's finished work while we also get to work saving souls. Right? Look at Hebrews 12, 26 through 29. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens too. This means that of all creation will be shaken and removed, and that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. It says that the heavens and earth will be shaken and that only unshakable things will remain. God's kingdom, God's culture is made with bricks and motor of things that are unshakable. Why? Because if you're doing a work for him, it's built on Jesus. And Jesus said, if you build it upon the rock, nothing can tear it down. 
So if you're doing a work for God and you've established it on the truth of Jesus, it'll stand. The work in your life, the work over your kids, over your grandkids, if it's built in God's word and God's truth on who Jesus is and who he says that he is, who he says that you are and what you can do, it will stand. Only unshakable things remain. We will overcome. God's people find a way to overcome. Overcome the tiredness, overcome the doubt, overcome the sleepless nights, overcome the anxiety, the fear, and the dread, overcome whatever it is. Because if you build it on him, it will stand. Look at that last point for today. As we just read in verse 29 there of Hebrews 12, it says that God's kingdom is a consuming fire, right? The kingdom of God is an all-consuming fire, and everyone will be tried by its fire. I want to give you a few verses as we get ready to close today. The Lord was just showing me that God's kingdom is an all-consuming fire. God's kingdom is all consumed with God. I said God's kingdom is all consumed with God. Here's the problem. When sin entered the world, choice entered the world, and I wonder if so many churches they hoot and holler on Sunday. They're all consumed with God from 9.30 until 12. And then after the church lets out, they're all consumed with everything else. They're not on fire for God. They're lukewarm. We need to be a vibrant, thriving, on fire church. Before we can be an on fire church, we need to individually be on fire, an all-consuming fire. Here's the thing. The Lord will show me. God, he will consume everything and everyone by fire. He will consume you by a holy fire or by hellfire. I don't know about you, but I want to be concerned with holy fire. Let's read these scriptures. Look at Matthew 3.11. It says, I indeed baptize, this is John the Baptist. It says, I indeed baptize you with water on repentance. But he, Jesus, who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He went on to say that I must decrease so that he may increase. Every day that has to be a prayer. God, more of you, less of me. I messed up without Jesus. I need you. And if that can be your life, that can be your prayer, you'll be on fire because you'll be all consumed with the baptism of his voice, of his spirit, of his ways. The baptism, spirit of fire, and holy, that's a, that's a, a sign of holy fire has gripped your life. And guess what? Holy fire is an eternal fire that can never be quenched. How do I continue to feed this fire? As you are in relationship with God, you see him as who he is, you want more. More, more. Anybody ever been addicted to a Netflix show? Don't lie. And you just wanted more and more and more, right? It ends you on a cliffhanger. They try to suck you in. You're like, ah, another episode. More. When's the last time you did your quiet time, read your Bible, and you said, more? Most of you probably said, all right, what I miss? Check my phone. Where do I got to go? What do I got to do? A holy fire is all-consuming. It's never quenched. If you do something holy for God, he will continue to feed 
that hunger, that, that, that fire, it needs more of love. It needs more truth. It needs more of God and of his word. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. Talk about the holy fire of God. Look what it says. For no one can lay any foundation other than one that was, have been laid by Jesus. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Get this. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, and straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal. I want you to underline that statement today. Fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Let me stop there. Holy fire will reveal what works were holy. Were they his works? They'll remain standing. They'll be unshakable. But if you were doing works for you or for them or for the man, they'll be consumed. Look at verse 14. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer a great loss. The builder will be saved. But like someone barely escaping through the wall of flames. I want to just back preach for a second. That word says the builder will still be saved even if his work was burned down. That doesn't mean that he's just an average person. The, the builder inflects that he was a child of God. He was, he was searching and following God. He was not somebody that was lost. He was still, by faith, trying to do something to please God. And it says he was still saved. So there's still hope. But let's do it the right way. Let's, let's, let's build something for him that'll stand, right? And I want to leave you with Revelations 20 through 15. I just gave you two instances where God will use holy fire to, to use a fire that will never be quenched and to reveal the works that are his and holy. But look at this. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of Everything will be all consumed by fire, either holy fire or hellfire. Hellfire will be a resting place for the wicked. So if you don't want him to consume you with fire now, he'll consume you with fire later. Who wants to make the decision to say, you know what, I, I want his all-consuming holy fire. Don't be shy. Just raise your hand and say, that's me. And I, if I ask the other question, I don't think I asked our outreach yesterday. Who, want, who, who wants to go to heaven? Everyone raise their hand. Who, who wants to go to hell? Not, not one person raised their hand. <laughs> Imagine that. But we got to get real and we got to get honest with God with our lives as it currently looks. Right? We gotta, if he's dealing with our hearts, we got to do something about it today. Because tomorrow may never come. Amen. Y'all join me in prayer as we close. Father, I thank you for your word and for the message of kingdom culture today. I, I pray that that message would infiltrate our hearts and infiltrate our lives, infiltrate our thoughts and our words and our, our ways, <clears throat> that we would be that reflective piece of Jesus, ambassador of Christ in the world and for the nations. <clears throat> I pray that in faith in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Ian, I'm in a daily relationship with God. I, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying my best. He has a say in my life. He, he has a say in my life. I, I, I constantly talk to him. I want to say thank you so much for, for being a part of his living, breathing church. But what I want to do is if that's you today, I want you right now to pray for the lost because there's millions of people out there that are not living for God right now and today. But if you're here in the sanctuary, you're joining us online, and you say, Pastor Ian, I, I'm that other person. 
I feel like God's mad or angry with me all the time. I, I'm, I'm not talking to him every day. I, I ignore him all the time. But I, I feel like right now he's dealing with my heart. He's, he's, he's tugging on my heartstrings. He's dealing with my life. You know what? I got some things in the dark closets, recesses of my life that I hide from everybody. As a pastor, I want to, want to tell you, if that's you today, that is okay. God still loves you. All he wants you to do is for you to give him permission to come into your heart, come into your life. And if you can have the guts and the faith to say yes to God today, all the things that you have questions about, he'll give you the answers. But he wants to use today as that starting place that says, you know what, today was special. Today I turned a corner. I'm done being done. I'm done being angry, frustrated, mad, guilty, I, I, whatever it is. So if you want to make a decision to change your life today, I, I, your time has come. I want you to do something. If God's speaking directly to you right now, I want you to sh not show me. I want you to show him that you hear what he's saying. And the only thing I'm going to ask you to do is no one's even looking at you. We're praying for you. I want you just to lift your hand up real high right now. Or stand up if you want. One of the two. Lift your hand up. Praise God. There's people raising their hands. Thank you, Jesus. Hands going up. Hands going up. Just keep them up. And I want you to listen to my voice and focus on him right now. I want you to know that God sees you and he loves you and that nothing is off the table for you. Just as Ian was in a pigsty with literally nothing, one day you can have a life that will honor him and the blessings for honoring him will come. Amen. Thank you for those hands. I want to ask you to lower them. I want to lead us all in a prayer. I want everyone to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We accept your son. We believe that Jesus is Lord of my life. We believe in him now and confess that he is Lord. Send your Holy Spirit to forgive me of my sins and forgive me of my past. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Man, who's glad you came to church today? We're thankful you came too, amen. If you're one of those folks that raised your hands today, I just want you to know God loves you. And if you have any questions about the decision you made, come see me, come see Pastor Jessica, any of our leaders, and we'll do whatever we can to help you in your, your next steps to, he, to help keeping you connected, okay, and help keep you doing the next right thing. Praise God. Somebody say praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, we love you. Y'all are dismissed.